I am about to give birth to our second imaginary child, and Thomas's priorities appear to be this show. So yes, the introduction to this episode of Maths At is shorter than normal. Be grateful that you got anything. Same disclaimer as usual, these people know nothing, and please don't sue us. Can I go now? Hello, 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 and welcome to Maths At The Movies, where simply put, we're two integrators and an interloper critiquing movies from a mathematical point of view. Joining me now and forevermore is the numerologist Ben Parker and the new minutist Hannah Veal. How are you guys? <laughs> do, do you collect coins, Hannah, at all? Do you, do you collect coins? I, uh, not intentionally, but they just tend to um, kind of uh, just take up my drawer space and particularly any surface um, in my house where my husband has been and emptied the contents of his pockets. I mean, I've got to say, who's using coins nowadays? I've, I've not left the house. It's just, you know, tap a thing and then run away. COVID. Ah. I, I connect coins, but I'm trying to change. I really am. Oh, well done. Well, good start then. Good start. <laughs> oh, we're back in form, aren't we? We now, are. Um, Tom, you might not realise that, um, oh, our listeners might not realise that they can actually see us on, on YouTube. Um, through our uh, channel. I mean, I don't want to see you. Why would they? No, um, www.mathsat.co.uk. Um, but um, if you'll notice, um, Hannah seems to have a door behind her. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I do. Um, um, so, like, Hannah, like, what, why is the door inside your house rather than outside your house? Oh, it's, it's very boring. I got a new door on my bedroom. Okay. Um, and someone took it off, and uh, I, 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 I'm a bit attached to it, so I don't really... It's quite a nice door, <laughs> so I don't really know what to do with it. I want to put it on something else, but there's nothing to... There's nothing, nothing... There's no holes. Which well, really it normally cool, takes us a few so. minutes to get unhinged in this uh, podcast, but uh, <laughs> we've had you are missing uh, contact, human contact, aren't oh, you? Ben? You've, been, you've been piling all yeah. of all of this this punning aggression, and I'm very impressed. Absolutely, well. am, Thomas. So, how, before we get to the movies, though, so I, let, let's introduce the movie we'll be doing this week. We, we've all watched, or at least we hope we've all watched, the movie. The number twenty-three, starring Jim Carrey. Did we all? Did we all watch it? Yes. Yes. He even bought the DVD. Uh, wow. Wow. But wow, Ben. Wow. Yeah. How long will that survive? Um, well, I, I think I might give it as a prize to whoever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you tried to do that before, I think, with one of the D- DVDs. No one claimed it, so you may yeah. end up with it still just, with. In just, your- if you want a DVD, listeners, just write in. Okay, right in. Tell me why you need a, a £1.49 DVD off eBay. Um, Who still has a DVD player? We well, still you, have obviously. a DVD <laughs> Okay, listen, I can buy this forever for £1.49 or I can rent the electrons from like Google or whatever for £3. <laughs> economics. I've saved myself £2, which um, I've put towards a lovely beer tonight. So, As I angered Hannah with earlier, if you know where to look on the internet, it's free. Oh dear, oh dear. Look, Not impressed, Tom, you, at all. You're, you, you have denied the multi-billion pound Hollywood industry of £1.49. Um, anyway, how has people weeks been? How has people, uh, anything, anything mathematical popped up for you guys? Ooh, ooh, um, yes, um, I, I did. Well, um, I, I, I'm old now, and I think probably most of the listeners now will have, will have been for their, um, their COVID jab. 
um, unless they live in Europe or somewhere. But put um, your hand up if you've got a COVID jab. Ow! Ow! Ah! <laughs> still hurts. Um, but um, it was the mo- it was near near Heathrow. I live near Heathrow, and it's like yeah, this, they've taken this whole conference centre, and it, it's very very organised. There's queues, and there's queues, and there's queues and queues. And the woman was talking to me about the size of the queues. You know, one of the volunteers, and I said, "Look, do you really want to talk about queues? Because you know, my PhD was essentially <laughs> studying the statistics of queues." And she didn't like that. Um, no. then, then what they have is they have like you're standing waiting for like one of your sort of 14 pre-screening questionnaires just to make sure that, you know, you know that this thing is that might sort of have a reaction that you should call the NHS if you do have a reaction. But they make you stand on little blue squares, which are two metres behind the next one, which is yep. fine. They said I'm two metres behind. two meters. So I was following this along. And then you have the squares went round the corner. Yes. So. Well, I was one side of the corner, and the next square was two meters in a Pythagoras line. people, Pythagoras. I, I was route well. two away. I was by NHS demand, approximately 0.58 meters <laughs> less far than I should have been. Um, and this is the only time, one of the only two times I've had to use Pythagoras in my life. Um, and I was annoyed about it. And it was the same woman who was complaining about the queuing theory, who didn't understand my point about the route two. She thought I was mad. Um, Speaking uh, speaking of COVID and Pythagoras, have you all seen this picture? Let me see if I can do this. Let's see if uh, the recording will pick this up. Sorry? We're going to have to audio description for the... uh, Well, audio description, that's a good point. Thank you, Ben. If you could audio describe what I'm drawing. Do, 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 do. Do 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 do. Is it? Is it? It's a person. Is it? Is it a Smurf? No, it's two people, two smiley faces. Yeah. So th- there's a poster out there, which uh, it's trying to uh, give everyone the idea of um, uh, social distancing, and it has four people, and it says that you should be two meters apart, two meters apart two meters apart, which is all good. That's all good. You know, we've got a square going on. Yeah. But then, two meters apart. Two meters apart. So if the square's two meters on each side, then the diagonal can't also be two meters. Ah, ha, 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 Ben. Someone very clever, I would like to say a mathematician, figured out you could do this. Non-Euclidean. No, if you could construct a triangular-based pyramid of people. Oh, so these people might not be at the same height. Exactly. exactly. This, is the, this is the kind of maths that I can do. If you can visualise it, this is why I was always great at like trigonometry. This is going well. Because I can visualise it. I can visualise distance. Um, and, uh, and so I was found that easy. It's the I, actually, I, would, I would fully agree with you because I, I would never say, you know, I was great at maths until I sort of started realizing how to visualize it. And that's why I went the applied route because I could always see the graph of how things were changing. But anyway, yes, um, shall we introduce our interloper then? Oh, about time. <laughs> it is. We're only about 10 minutes in. It's fine. It's all good. Yeah. Hannah Veal, who are you and why are you here? I, uh, I'm a photographer by day. Um, but I have a background in um, film and TV production. So for uh, podcasts such as Maths at the Movies, I 
think that I probably have something to say and I'll probably be talking way more about the um, production values of the movies and the maths <laughs> in them. Um, I'm a self-confessed confessed maths. Mm, how to how to how to put it? Um, uh, not a maths dunce exactly, maths but curious. maths curious. Maths curious, I think, is mm. the best way of putting it. Um, well, I mean, uh, well, you told me this when I emailed you. You said, you know, I know nothing about maths. I mean, you were previously on the um, football, the uh, where we had Josh uh, Bull talk to us about fantasy football. He did. I thought you did very well there, but I thought you know to ease you in, we would watch the film, the number twenty-three, which, as we will see. A film about adding up. Not not much maths there is there really. Not much maths. <laughs> Which I can but do. There you go. So, you know, a good warm up to how we do things here. Yeah. Uh, but with that, is there anything else to add or shall we go? To the maths let's, let's go for it. I just, I have so much to say about this film. I just can't, I just then can't wait. let us not delay. I'm so excited. Here we go. <laughs> I'm buying that for you, too. Actually, I've had a good long time to flip through it. Why don't you give it a try? The number 23, a heart-wrenching odyssey into paranoia, with the most horrifying metamorphosis ever told. I'm buying this for you. Chapter one. All I could think about was the number. I met you when I was... 23. And the day we met was? September 14th. 9-14. 14 plus 9 is? 23. Is it all just a coincidence? I don't know. So what is 23? There are 23 axioms to Euclid's geometry. The human body consists of 46 chromosomes, 23 from each parent. Two divided by three, point, 0.666, number the devil. So is 23 a blessing or a curse? I was born at 11, 12 p.m. 11 plus 12. 23. My birthday, 2-3. Driver's license, social security number. It's all 23. Sif, it's imitating my life. You've concerned yourself with minutia and you've drawn wild conclusions from them. Every 23rd word on every 23rd page. I warn you, hell is waiting. The number. What does that mean? You know. Waco, Texas, and the Oklahoma City bombing both happened on April 19th. You've got to get out. It's coming for you. 4 plus 19 is 23. This is not who you are. The Hiroshima bomb was dropped at 8.15. Dad! 8 plus 15 is 23. 13 years of lies! No more! Don't do this to us. Not a great trailer if uh, copyright restrictions allowed Tom to edit that in. Uh, so, uh, Hannah, tell us about this movie, The Number 23. Funny man Jim Carrey in a serious mm. role following his uh, acclaimed performance in Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. He uh, he uh, features as uh, well, he, repri he reprises his role actually, really, as a pet detective <laughs> of sorts. I hadn't. Which was the first thing that I realised when uh, in the opening scene, I was like, "It's just, it's 
just serious. It's Ace Venturia, but ser- but but serious. <laughs> wow, I hadn't noticed that. Well done. Well done. <laughs> anyway, um, he 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 happens upon a book which is given to him by his wife, which is called the Number Twenty Three by <laughs> by author Topsy Kretz. Topsy. <laughs> All right, let's stop there a second. Let's, let's stop there. <laughs> Topsy, I actually quite like that. How long did it take you to get that? How long did because oh. it took me a an embarrassing amount of time. Yeah, I will. I will be honest. I, this is the second time I've seen this, and the first time I didn't get it until Jim Carrey got it, which is about three quarters of the way through the movie. So, but I, here, I'm going to play my hand early in this episode. This movie has a lot of hate. And I think Ben is going to show us just how much hate it has been. <laughs> I don't get why. It's silly. It's stupid. But I don't. It, it's sort of like kicking a puppy, this movie. It's so silly, you know. But sorry. Yes, it's so top secrets. Top secrets. Yes. I, I, like, I like that. And he becomes mired in a world of paranoia and confusion as he realises that his life is dominated by the number 23 and that the prot- life of the protagonist in the book he really mirrors his own. Anyway, as he becomes more and more kind of erratic and crazy and could we even say murderous, mm. he uh, he uh, discovers that the author of the book, which he has become so obsessed by, was actually written by himself. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. And uh, he conveniently had amnesia, which is why he didn't remember that he'd written it. <laughs> oh God, <laughs> that's perennial plot worse, device. Though. It sounds even worse the way you write it. You talk about this. <laughs> but yeah, just to wrap that all up then, he has amnesia, he turns out to be the murderer and he just forgot he killed someone. But <laughs> it, it, at the end, he does com- commit, uh, 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 confess to the crime. So the person who had been jailed upon his behalf was released and he was trying to make amends for his sins. So that's all right then. Oh, I've been in prison for these 13 years. What you mean you forgot? Oh, don't worry about it. That's fine. Yeah, it's just, um, if stylistically, I was thinking about it, I felt I had, I got strong The Shining vibes and mm. also Memento. Mm. I felt like it I was, was a- The Shining meets Memento. Meets, Two better films. Um, Ace Venture, a pet detective. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the thing I, I didn't realise actually, because this was directed by Joel Schumacher, who died last year. Actually, I, I didn't didn't realise that. Do you know um, which day of the month he died on? By the way, um, I do not know. Guess uh, um, February the third, because that comes up a lot, or February twenty no, third. It, it's no, it wasn't at all. It's nothing no. to do with the number twenty three at all. So. <laughs> <laughs> What did you guys think of Jim Carrey's performance in this as a serious guy? I like I like Jim Carrey. I think he gets a lot of flack. You know, he but I, I think he's interesting because he obviously plays a lot of comic roles. He has the wackiness, the rubber face, the the wild antics of body humor. But that means when he turns serious, it's all the more sinister. Because that you know you're you're wanting to laugh at him, but it's it's okay. Make a joke. Make a joke. Okay, make a joke. No, stop. You're scaring me. Stop it. Stop it, Jim. Stop. Yeah, I agree. Actually, I think that um, I've in all the serious roles that I've seen him in, he's been 
really really good and actually I don't mind him as a funny guy either I yeah. actually really quite like his over-the-top physical comedy I know it doesn't do a lot for some people but I just I I think that he's he's so unique with that and one and two fantastic films absolutely I mean the first one hasn't aged so well with the sort of trans uh, issues that they deal with not so great but when I saw them I thought they were hilarious and also the mask the mask was brilliant. And so film. quotable, so quotable oh as well. Still today, yeah. Some of those, some of those lines are, are in our lexicon, you know. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of one now. I can't. P a r t y. Because the her. So I, I I hate to disagree, and and I say that because really I don't. But Jim Carrey, every time he appears on my screen, I just want to slap his tiny little face. Okay, <laughs> it is it is it is comedy roles. He embodies everything which is bad about that sort of very American humor, and I don't mean that as a bad thing because American humor can be brilliant. But that kind of slapstick that everyone else in the world abandoned in about 1920. Okay. This is interesting, Ben, because you, I, and in fact Hannah have been on stage doing this kind of comedy in pantomimes. Yes, but in a pantomime, you want some slapstick. And we do that for six-year-olds. <laughs> we don't do it for people that have paid £1.49 for a second-hand DVD. Okay? Jim Carrey has the acting talent of a small walnut, and he has the subtlety of a UKIP party election broadcast. Okay? Now, I have to admit that this was one of his better films. Wow. That, wow. That, that in the same way as saying that Luxembourg is one of the most interesting countries uh, in the, uh, <laughs> the world. Okay? That's our Luxembourg audience gone. Okay? I hate him and everything he stands for. Um, oh, the, the only film I liked him in was um, The Truman Show, and that's because I love the concept so much. Any other actor would have made that film 100% better as well. Um, if I weren't forced to watch this by the machinations of the evil empire that is Maths Act, I would have <laughs> turned it off after literally 12 minutes. It was painful. Wait a minute. Well, strong two words. Two plus one is three. Two plus three, that's 23. Oh, bang. Oh, we haven't even got to the mathematical thing. You know, <laughs> the best thing about this film was the titles at the beginning. Okay, the, the sort of typewriters writing with sort of numbers and like little facts fun. about the number 23 was quite fun. Um, and actually, I quite like the twist. I mean, I got more interested when you were like, okay, that's quite clever. I like that. Um, totally unbelievable, but that's fine. Um, Toys. I mean, I, I, let, let's talk about this. Where, where most people hate this film, I feel, is that it's um, coincidence piled on top of coincidence. And it really does begin to stretch how far a number of coincidences can align. Because let, let's take the, the very first one, which sort of instigates the plot. He's late for his own birthday party and his wife stopped off in a bookstore. And just apropos nothing, she picks up the book, the number 23, which just so happens to be the book he wrote about the murder he committed that he's now forgot. Oh, the whole bookstore. The whole entire bookstore worth of books. And she picks that one. Oh, okay. Like, this isn't a criticism of a movie because you could say, well, you know, Dorothy Gale was uh, going outside and it, it just so happened that her house was the one that came and landed on a wicked witch. That would never really happen. I mean, we can't criticise movies for taking literal flights of fantasy. We don't, I, 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 that's what I'm saying. I agree. I, I agree that, you know, it, but I mean, let's talk about some, some actual plot holes here, at least. I mean, to be honest, I think 
for me they they acknowledged that plot hole actually at the end of the at the end of the film it was almost because i think it's one of the things that when it all kind of gets pieced together and everything one of your first thoughts is well come on like what's the what are the odds of her finding that book and things like that and it and and he's in a voiceover he says something like um you know who knows how that book came to us maybe it wanted to find me or something like that and it, do you know what I mean it was kind of like they'd realize okay, it was so a plot they, hole they, they so they needed to qualify it by kind of adding that in because they don't really know I, I do I do feel the film, film is a bit confused about what it wants to be is it mm. is it a bit supernatural with the number 23 having some agency or is it just all coincidence but like I say I, for me all the coincidences if you accept them fine they get you where you need to be the plot hole for me, which I don't understand, is towards the end, they find the body of the murdered woman that Jim Carrey did. He then goes, calls a policeman who, they, they go back to the hole that they dug and the, the body's gone. It then later turns out his wife and friend took the body away. Why would they do that? Why would they take the skeleton? I thought it was because she did, she wanted to she realized it was causing him to go insane and so she took the body so that he would um drop it basically <laughs> not drop the body but like drop just it so that he wouldn't like he would just leave it that was my that was my kind of t- reading really? of that that's that okay you're a bit you're going a bit weird with this number 23 I'm going to hide this dead body that's that I know that is a bit out there, isn't it? Okay, so honestly, guys, I know you're both sort of happily married or whatever. Okay, so you probably don't talk to your partners, but like, let's imagine you were sort of starting a newish relationship and you got to the ninth or tenth date and you were like, well, want to watch something a bit interesting. Let's get a pizza in, let's put a movie on. Okay, would you honestly recommend this if there were any other movie in the world whatsoever, including the My Little Pony movie? <laughs> no, I don't think it's a good thing to watch with. It's got some kind of slightly problematic domestic violence thing going on right. in there. And um, I, I just didn't like, like I've, I've got a note here, which was like, I don't want to see Jim Carrey do sex. <laughs> There was a lot you got to see of Jim Carrey. Because it's just... His only fans channel is is not very popular, to be honest. Um, The things things he could do while wearing the mask, though, it's just... um... It's just not a a thing I want to see him doing in a movie because I don't associate him with that kind of thing. And so I found those scenes really, like, a bit disturbing for so many reasons. You make a good point, Hannah, but, you know, apart from slightly jaded presenters in a mastering podcast, who would you recommend this movie for? Okay, I know it's the exact audience, Ben, who would like this. The same audience that like the movie Pi. Oh, God. We haven't done that one, have we? Yes, that was one of our first, in fact. I think it was our first. <laughs> did we do Pi? Oh, sorry. Yes, it, was, it was our first one we did, Ben. ben like, did you guys is... find um, that when you were watching the film, because you knew it was about the significance of the number 23 and the guys looking for number 23 and everything, did you find yourselves, like, scrutinising anything with a number on and, like, working out what yeah. it could possibly mean? Yeah. Like, as soon as the, I saw the dog was called Ned, I was, like, going one, two, three, <laughs> four, five, six. But and do you know every what? Every the... house number you see, every car number plate you see, see every phone number you see it always adds up to 23 but do you know what the really embarrassing thing is when I did Ned when I added up uh, the numbers that the letters correspond to I got 22 (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> so I was starting to like mull over in my brain, like what could twenty two? What could that mean? mean? Like because because at one point the um the chap the lecturer chap goes on about how number two is the number of the book of revelations mm, mm, mm. or something, and it's like the devil and the end of the world and things like, well, it, it, like it was, that. Uh, yeah, yeah. So so the, the the line is you know because um yeah he goes to see his friend who says oh twenty three what does it mean is it, and he's then looking at some stained glass windows in this academic's office. Who I don't have stained glass windows in my office, but there you go. Um, and he goes, ah, you twenty three is God. Well, uh, two divided by three is not point six 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 recurring, and six 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 is the number of the beast. Ooh, and the yeah. The, so the final book of uh, the New Testament oh, only has just, twenty two. Let's just pick you up on that. What is two divided by three? Not point six six seven. <laughs> <laughs> Not rounding the errors <laughs> the devil is the detail if it wasn't just so depressing and if it didn't have jim carrey in it would be quite a good idea <laughs> i, th- I agree with you i think it was it's a really good concept poorly executed what, what um, did you think about the um like the, the mood and the cinematography and the um you know the, the, the how it was shot and all that business i feel i feel like they didn't quite know what they were doing stylistically and even things like the color grading of the film was like at one point it was like all green and kind of dark and everything was green and then and 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 that didn't seem to mean anything and just appeared and popped up in different I, places I'm so glad you said red. That. Yep. I'm so Green glad red. you said that because as I pointed out, I was watching this on a £1.49 DVD and I bought off eBay um, and it was really dark and then really light and really dark. So I, I actually, at various points, I sort of got the DVD out and sort of just gave it a quick wipe with my hand <laughs> just to make sure there wasn't dirt on the... Um, yes, I'm, I'm, glad it, I'm glad it doesn't work. I mean, it's interesting. It again, Joel Schumacher is known as being quite a stylish director. You know, he's the guy who put nipples on the bat suit. Um, so, Visionary. yeah, did, did, did you not know that then? Um, I'm not sure I really know who Joel Schumacher is, I'm uneducated. <laughs> was, he, he was a Hollywood director, and this was his 23rd movie that he directed. It, was it? Yeah, okay. Does that include like the ones he did in film school? Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly, it's all about how you count these things. It's all marketing that you know, like yeah. they would have, they would have used that, no, but, but um, I think I. I just think actually that filmmaking and kind of and technology film technology has come on so much even since 2007 I think mm. we look back on these things and go what like what was all that about like the <laughs> film noir the grading like the color treatment they did was probably really kind of um innovative at the time you know I saw a lot of of stuff that was like suddenly really dark and kind of heavily and contrasty and things like that because they because they suddenly had the technology to to do this kind of thing in computers without lighting was it do you think it may in some sense but at least the first time it was done it was sort of a constraint of the process of the film they were making and said well let's use this uh you know we've got to have these stark shadows we've got to have this harsh light because that's the budget we have and so let's make it stylistic you know quite some of the you know quite a few of the best films out there often lean into their constraints yeah yeah and i um and i think actually that there was some there was some really obviously kind of big budget effects going on there with the like mm-hmm. you know the bit at the beginning where it's like um a flashback to the the protagonist's youth and everything where it's like zooming in across like fields and into windows that was and stuff bizarre, like that. That was never done again exactly it was never done again 
really strange um totally not film noir at all it was almost yeah. like fairy tale land disney kind of thing yeah. um felt completely different and I, I i think it was just at that time where possibly directors were just trying out stuff because they could ah uh, it, it was what happened when sort of uh, cg started to become big we, we would just put cg everywhere because why not it makes your film look terrible yeah, yeah, so I think I think stuff is more subtle now, and and technology is better that it just it's less obvious and kind of less clunky. I think. Yeah, so interesting we have to, thoughts, Hannah. Interesting thoughts. We have like. to consider it that it is of its time, somewhat. I, I mean, Jurassic Park was ten years before. Oh, this. yeah, that's true. <laughs> can <laughs> you I? You've just... always got to compare it to Jurassic Park, which was early nineties. You know. So can I just? I just want to read you something because my my husband watched this with me and um, his his sort of observations are sometimes hilarious. So I wrote I wrote I wrote this one down. So at the beginning of the film, um, Jim Carrey is bitten by a dog mm. in in the course of his work as a pet detective and um he and then so obviously he's going mad he's kind of starting to have these sort of hallucinations and weird dreams and things like that and at one point Simon just goes does he have rabies that would have that, that would have been yeah. a good idea I thought that would have been a, a brilliant twist to the whole thing yeah but no, no. get your husband Sadly the not. director's chair my favorite part because of the characters there's sort of there's Jim Carrey who plays Walter Sparrow, his wife Agnes, uh, his friend Isaac Sparks. I can't remember his name. But then his son, his son's name, and I think this should have been the, the first key indicator that Jim Carrey's character was a bit woo. -hoo. He named his son Robin Sparrow. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. Robin. Also, Robin Lesser Spotted Tit. Sparrow. Robin Banks. Oh. <laughs> I don't, actually, on the point of the sun, there is a, an extended ending cut to this. Film. Oh God! Did they have all of it? Uh. <laughs> there was a little. You may have seen it because you had the DVD. No, it, uh, it's I a had, digital I, version. I had to choose a short version or a long version. I think I made the right choice. The long version, I think, is only four minutes longer. So it, it wouldn't have gone that way. But the this, the ending of the slightly longer version. When because it finishes off with Jim Carrey in the prison and him sending a letter to his son, they cut that scene off in the short version. In the long one, it plays slightly longer, and what you see is the son starting to scrub twenty three off his arm. Oh. Mm. Can you say sequel? The oh, number twenty four. No. They were probably Tell hoping us. for a sequel, and they didn't get one because oh. it. Well, I don't know. Did it do well? Prequels. Did well, it do well? The budget was about 30 million. It made 77 million. So I don't know what that means, but they made a profit. I mean, they made a profit. That's all anyone ever cares about. Yeah. Uh, the reviews were sort of six or seven-ish. The greatest shame is apparently on uh, Rotten Tomatoes, it's at 8%, which is incredible. But eight, come on, get it up to 23 Get it, get, get it up, get it up there, 23%. Did you hear about the, um, the Rotten Tomatoes controversy? Um, no. I think it was, um, I think it was Citizen Kane. Yeah, it was Citizen Kane. Um, and um, it's always had like a 100% rating. And then um, Rotten Tomatoes updated their sources to include a review which was 80 years old from a reviewer. <laughs> which was like, well, it's just come out. I don't like this weird new rubbish. Um, and it lost its 100% rating because of an 80 year old review. I mean, waiting, waiting. Have you never heard of waiting the older reviews? 
But do I you mean, know what no. it was replaced by at 100%? Oh. Toy Story? Paddington. <laughs> no way! Paddington is a great film. It has one of the best openings. Go, everyone, go watch. Forget, all right, I'm not going to put the trailer for number 23 in here. I'm putting the Paddington trailer in because that's an amazing film. One of the best openings of any film. No, no it doesn't mean kids' film. Best openings. Is there any maths in it? Can we do it? Can, can we do? I think we might have to try and find the maths of Paddington. <laughs> so, um, I I had this idea that when I was watching this film, um, I I was very very pleased to hear of a, a, a plethora of film cliche script writing oh, yes, cliches, yes. and I Ooh. wanted to draw your attention to a few of them. I think this should be a running thing. Well, before you, because you you mentioned that you're you're quite good at seeing. Do they bother you? Uh, yeah, yes, because I think it's lazy script writing. Yes, okay. Um, I just wanted to know if, if you were coming from a place of love or a place of hate. <laughs> yeah, so, so in, this, in this film, we have... Don't you die on me! <laughs> yeah. yeah. We had that one. Okay. Yeah, I quite like it. I like that one. It's, uh, it's, it's, <laughs> Some of these are panto. Some of these are... Some of these are panto, actually. The next one is, and I'd do it again! <laughs> <laughs> and the third one is, oh, it's not, a, it's, not a, it's not a bit of script writing. It's um, person with important part of plot exposition dies in a pointless way just after giving up a clue. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Never give but, up a clue. It's like, but, uh, and the murderer's name is Bird. <laughs> Knife in the back. Knife in yeah. the back. <laughs> no, that's, that's interesting you picked those three then, because I would say only the last one sort of made sense in this film. You know, Don't You Die On Me. That's more of a medical drama one. The, and I'd do it again. That's more your kind of superhero bad guy. Um, yeah, but the first one, like Don't You Die On Me, he'd literally just met the guy. He, you know, he was like, it's the kind of thing that people normally say to like, you know, their, their comrades in battle or something. Yeah. Like, don't you yeah. die on me, don't you die on me. Like that. And it was like, it was so out of place. It just felt really lazy. The other, um, the other, the other thing I didn't get, okay. The thing that really annoyed me, like this is 2007. Okay. And there's a bit where Jim Carrey's like, I want to know who the author of this book is. So instead of bloody Googling it, he goes into a bookshop and this like massive database of every book ever in the secondhand bookshop, this guy goes, oh, he's never written anything else. Like, like surely in 2007, people knew how to Google it. What I also liked on that point of sort of aging the movie is the, the idea of them digging this hole, finding the skeleton and then going have to drive to find a phone because no one had mobile phones in oh, 2007. Yeah. Yeah, that's weird. And also, when what really dates this film is when he goes to the uh, the prison and he talks to the guy in prison who's been falsely imprisoned for the murder of this girl, and they're standing literally like ten centimeters away gauze. from each other gauze. through a metal gauze. No social distancing. They're the same <laughs> height. It honestly like made me feel a bit funny. And with that, is there anything else we want to pull out from this film? Are there any words of Positivity. We've we've we've, we've mullered this film. Is there anything we can say that we enjoy? Uh, it was briefish, but I mean, it was finished. It wasn't really. It was quite a long film to get to where it wanted to go. Oh dear. I enjoyed I enjoyed looking beyond what was going on 
like in the in the scenes and kind of looking for numbers mm-hmm. and trying to work out if they were significant because I kind of sometimes do that anyway in films like I'm looking in the background to see all the little details that they put in to like the set dressing or something like that and so to have actual things to look for yeah. was quite yeah. satisfying I that think attention to detail you were appreciating yeah, yes. I can see that. I can see that. That was that was a nice thing. I mean, what I, what I want to also to sort of cry from you is that you said that you were laughing at inappropriate moments. What what were they? Well, it was mainly things like, and I'd do it again. <laughs> Dramatic. <laughs> um, uh, I, yeah, I think it was when it just it, it it took itself quite seriously. This film and um, it it just went into kind of melodrama at certain points and um it was it was when he figured yeah it was when he figured out that he was the guy he was like I murdered someone I'm a murderer (laughs) and it was just it was too funny it was just too too funny too over the top um and I didn't really sympathize with him at the end of the day this film is a sympathetic portrayal of of someone who's perpetrated domestic domestic violence even though he kind of like you know um uh gave himself up at the end and we're all supposed to go oh well done well done well done sorry clapping in the microphone but um (laughs) do you know what i mean it's kind of in the in the in the post me too era i think that that film probably would have you know i don't know how it would have gone down in all honesty i do as i say it didn't go down very well to begin with so i don't know if it could get any worse but uh, and, so, and so with that, if there is nothing more to say other than go watch Paddington, um, let, <laughs> let us go to the math zone. The math zone! In fact, I think I'd rather watch the railway station, Paddington. <laughs> the math zone! Whee! Question about, um, so looking for patterns and looking for things like the number 23 is there a mathematical way or a statistical way of of showing that you could look for any number and you would find you would find equal patterns in other numbers so so here's something i believe to be a fact and um thomas might um uh know if this is still true or not because this changes all the time okay You, you know the number pi not the movie pi the number pi yeah so it's a number, 3.14, blah, 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 blah. It goes on forever, okay? Um, if you were to look for any sequence of digits, so let's pick your phone number, Hannah, um, which for readers is 078. We might as well give Boris Johnson's phone number out because everyone else had it except me, apparently. Yeah. But if you were to look for any sequence of numbers, you would find it in the digits of pi, okay? And you would find it in the digits of pi an infinite number of times. Um, Now, I think there is a conjecture that um, the number of times each set of digit appears is equal. So Yeah, so so just as you you were saying, Ben, it's still currently unknown if pi... So what Ben is describing is a normal number. A normal number. So whether you can always find all the digits all the time, it, it would mean that the number was normal, and you can create such numbers, but we don't know if pi is normal yet. Okay, so it's certainly not unusual to find numbers all the time. Now, because um, oh, this happened uh, a few months ago with Pi Day, um, th- uh, the fourteenth of the third for Americans would be three fourteen. Oh, yeah, put the dates right, people. 
Um, <laughs> but what Swan tweeted this is if Pi is normal, has yeah. all the possible sequences built into it, then if consciousness can some way be encoded in binary digits or, or in base 10 or any base. Listener, let's just point out within about three minutes, we've gone from Jim Carrey sex films to the infinite recurrence of Pi. Uh, go on, Thomas. Please do. Please. Well, like I said, this released to Pi, which was on that first. Which is well, awesome. Thomas, while Thomas is talking about this, imagine Jim Carrey naked. Please, no. <laughs> So, the, yeah, the if, upper if torso tattoos were bad enough. Oh, I love the tattoos because they are oh, mm, good, huge tribal tattoos down the back. Love it. Um, if if consciousness can be encoded as a digital quantity, if you can digitize a brain, then your consciousness would be in pi. Boom! Isn't that an if? But that, that assumes that pi is normal. Wow. wow. So. so and, and an incredible, I mean, there's two assumptions in there. One, pi is normal, and two, you can digitize a mind. So, hmm. so I think the problem with this, and I think this, if you sort of do the information theory or whatever, the problem is you wouldn't know. So if I wanted to sort of download Hannah from the digits of pi, I wouldn't know where to start. And any computer that told me where Hannah was located would have to be infinitely bigger than pi, which would be important. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, are you trying to sell our female co-host, Ben? I mean, it's not a good I look. <laughs> I mean, I've given away her phone number, and you know. <laughs> um, anyway, um, but okay. So, so, but just to um, give the audience something. So, a good friend of the show, James Grind, James he Grind. did this with a Financial Times one day. He just got a r- random Financial Times and just circled every number he could see on the front page, and he then looked at the distribution of those numbers, and they followed pretty much Benford's law. So I've got, I've got these statistics up in front of you. And essentially, number one, if you just look at some digits from any source of information, 30% of the time, it should be number one. 30% of the time. Then it's 17% of the time is number two, 12 and a half, three, and so on, so on, so on. But uh, what's, what's really cool about this, I don't know if you can mention this, Ben, but this tool is actually used uh, to know if you're cheating on your taxes. Yeah. So ah. fa- fa- famously, um, and I, I think allegedly, though I think it's fairly well um, uh, confirmed, is that when um, when Greece joined the European Union, they had to submit a raft of financial documentation, which, you know, how much you spend on sheep and how much you spend on industry and how much taxes you get. So you have to spend you know, years and years. And then, you know, to join the euro, you need to sort of prove that your economy is where. So they submitted all this stuff and joined the euro. And then somebody came along and said, well, actually, we've looked at this and you've made these numbers up, okay? And because essentially they had, you know, what they thought was a random distribution and they had more, they didn't have like twice as many ones as they had twos at the start of the number, um, there is a very, very strong suspicion that Greece fraudulently um, made up a load of numbers to get into Allegedly, the- allegedly, allegedly, don't get us sued, Ben. I mean, do you think Greece can sue me? I think I'm allowed to say allegedly that Greece... <laughs> Okay, sue me if you like. Okay, it is thought that that is the case. I am not saying that is the case. It is thought that that is the case. Greece, if you want to sue me, okay, that's great. I'm just going to stop buying. Oh, oh, did you hear, by the way, um, that they're worried that you, the Europe, well, it's true, the European Union uh, and particularly Greece, um, uh, you know, its economy has contracted 
Okay, and they're really worried about the, 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 the hummus manufacturers and the tzatziki manufacturers and the taramasalata manufacturers. Um, they're worried there's going to be a double dip recession. Ah, I knew yes! it! I, I knew, knew it was going towards it. Right. I just knew it. But, but, but the point is the <laughs> <laughs> Jim Carrey naked hummus jokes. <laughs> um, where else do you get this? The, the point is the numbers well, are not random. And you know, these patterns in numbers, the, the relative frequency of occurrences that no numbers appear more often in certain, you know, uh, human situations can actually allow us to detect fraud and is a natural thing. OK, now what that has to do with the number 23. So that was going to be my next question. Was well, that, well, is well, there well, is there a significance? Is does 23 actually appear because of that? Does 23 appear more or did they just choose a number 23? Is, is it did it have historical uh you know someone said prior to the film the number 23 appears in all these kind of places and historical things so that they they use that as a jumping off point for the film or did they just randomly pick a number no so there is there is a thing called the 23 enigma and this um it, in some ways it kind of became a self-fulfilling prophecy that you know someone wrote about it and someone saw that and said oh i wonder if it is and therefore i'll write write about it and it's just like it's one probably you could count as one of the first memes in some sense you know um so whether the first person who wrote it down there's a whole thing on wikipedia about the first person who, who may be the first person who wrote it down but whether they just picked it out of the air they have the whole story about a sea captain who had uh, been sailing the seven seas for 23 years and no no problems at all and then on the 23rd year boom dead it, so uh, to, to be, but what I wanted to say to your first point of whether he was picked out of the air, because if you asked him, the, the, they did this experiment a few, many, many years ago on Tomorrow's World, not telling you how long ago this was. They asked the audience to think, and I'll, let's do this now, let's do this now. So Ben and Hannah, think up a two-digit number, and I'll give you more rules, but so it's a two-digit number. The two digits are different they are both odd. Okay? And that's that's all it is. So both odd, different, two digits. Ben, what is your number? 97. Hannah? 13. And so they, they did it with this across the country. That, I mean, we've got two people. It means nothing. And what they found was this idea of distribution. Not all the numbers came out equally. Because if, if, if we were all unbiased... And we all chose numbers randomly, you'd expect each number, so you'd have 13, 15, 17, 19, blah, 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 all roughly the same output. And they, when they finally came, so what they were doing, I remember now, what, they, what Tomorrow's World were doing, they had a, an actor pretending to be a psychic. And they said, oh, this psychic, he's going to be beaming his number out to you. And you have to guess what it is. At the end of the episode, they flipped the number and his number was 19. 19 was the lowest chosen out of all of them. And we knew it would be because 19 doesn't feel random. When people choose a number, they don't like choosing numbers that are too far away, like one and nine. One and nine don't, it's too far. They don't like choosing numbers that are too close together, like 13. So that's interesting, Hannah, that you chose that. The one that was chosen most was 37. It's a bit far away, but it's not too far away. It's close, but it's not too close. 35 doesn't feel right. You do, normally wouldn't get a five in there because that doesn't feel random. Fives are, everyone knows how something is divisible by five. 
So when it comes down to this, this idea that humans are not random, we like seeing patterns, we think we know what randomness is, it doesn't spread things out too much, it doesn't clump them together too much. But we're just really bad at it. That reminds me of um, something I heard once about how they wrote the, um, the sort of Apple iPod shuffle um, kind of algorithm was that oh, yeah. um, uh, so in order to make it truly random mm. they actually had to make it not completely random because what would happen was that actual just just because of you know the way things would go a couple of songs would actually appear concurrently from an yeah. album or something yeah. so it's like actually they had to write the code to say you know it needs to be like random but not quite yeah, so not quite. Also, you could have the chance of it playing the same song twice. I yes, that it... I would like to ask a kind of neuroscientist about like why we look for patterns um, and, you know, what the benefit is to us as humans to kind of see oh, patterns. Well, don't say patterns because normally Alan Turing appears when we talk about patterns. Uh, um, uh, it no, me... no, no, no. <laughs> it's like seeing the man in the moon, you know. I, I, I haven't got Alan Turing, but I've got a minion. Okay. Does, I, no, but no, actually, I, I wouldn't say it's a, a neurobiologist you want, but because the, the idea is, is it comes down to evolution. So, well, no idea in biology makes sense except in the light of evolution. And so the idea is that we use it. And there's a great, I will tell you about an experiment because I was reading up on this last night. And there's a, an amazing experiment, which I, I assume it works on us just as well. But the idea is that we, are, we like seeing patterns because they keep us safe. The idea if you see everyone, if you see all, you know, the idea of if all your friends jumped off a cliff, would you? Probably. Because if all your friends are jumping off the cliff, they, sh they know something. Is there a lava monster coming your way? But that's the idea that if, if something happens time and time again, we, we assert an importance to it because we feel it will keep us safe. Tr the idea of tradition also builds on this idea that if we keep doing the same thing, we've survived this long, we will keep surviving. But the, the experiment that um, uh, a biologist did was they put a chicken in a box and they had a release mechanism, release food at random time intervals. And by the end of the week, the chicken had Gone started mad. doing odd, pretty much. It had started doing this odd twitch with itself because it had linked this twitch to the release of the food. Even though there was no correlation there, the, the thing was just releasing food at random time points. The chicken had figured out that if, if I do this every so often, that really that seems to have a link to the food. So there you go. We are just chickens in boxes. Did you know there's a chicken that you can feed with Bitcoin? Oh, what? Oh, my. I want to know this, Hannah. Tell me. I don't know. You can pay a little bit of Bitcoin and it gives a little chicken, a, a like via a robot, it gives a chicken a little bit of food. I don't know. I don't know why I, do. I just remembered that, but <laughs> it's called polofeed.com. So it's a polo. Sorry, we've gone off on a complete tangent. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> this, is, this is wonderful. Polofeed.com. I'm pretty sure that's what it's called. Wow, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah, so wait, so hold on. How much is a Bitcoin worth at the moment? Oh, how, it's how, gone how down. Is... Yeah, oh. it's only 50,000 quid. Yeah. But you know, how, how much of the world's economy has this chicken eaten? That's, um... Well, all I'm saying is that I'm glad that um, I didn't spend the fiver that somebody once gave me, the fiver in Bitcoin, on a on a baguette from Jim Bob's Baguettes when they started taking Bitcoin as payments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
But anyway, that is a different podcast, isn't it? Yes. I, I, yeah. Yeah. No, it's a, it, the raving multimillionaire we have as a co-host. It's incredible. <laughs> no. um, so yeah, hopefully, hopefully that answered your question. That we are we're, we're built to look for patterns, as Ben said. It's uh, you know, it's faces in clouds. It's so. I mean, okay. So the, I mean, I, I don't know if it's the same question really, but I'm going to answer it anyway because um, I, <laughs> I, I get so. Uh, so there's there's there's. I think this film is essentially a psychological film as opposed to something mathematical. Okay? Yeah. So I, I don't think 23 actually appears any more often. And I don't think, you know, mathematically you could show that, except for the sort of, you know, the, the Benford's Law thing that we talked about. Um, but humans seem to have some natural predilection for associating numbers with things. And I think it is that just 23 is like a number which is sort of big enough to be interesting and sort of different enough to be, you know, weird, but small enough to like appear in a lot of places. So if it was, you know, 27,802, he couldn't be 27,802 years old, for example. Uh, there's this wonderful book called Alex Through the Looking Glass. Um, and the first chapter, so this is uh, by Alex Bellos. Um, and I'll, I'll put a link up in the page, or Tom will put a link up in the page if he remembers. Um, but it's, it's a really wonderful book. And, I, you know, there's a lot of popular science mathematics books. And this, I think, is really, really good. And, it, you know, he talks about this... Um, I assume it's a he, but um, he talks about all this, um, you know, number ones and number twos um, being male and female. Um, and people have very strong feelings about numbers. And sometimes this is cultural and sometimes this is, you know, so for example, the Chinese have the number eight, whereas in England we love the number seven. And, um, you know, you don't have a 13th floor. So there's associations with these things and that, nobody really knows why, you know, there were 13 apostles or whatever. So, um, that, but, um, okay, let's do another game. Okay. So um, I pick a number between one to 13 and I'll tell you what, um, what people associated with um, these numbers in the survey. Uh, any number? Nine. 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 Uh, well, what do you think about nine before I reveal what other people... Well, so you, Hannah, you like your square numbers. You do like, I? You do. Three square, oh. nine, five square, 25. And you like your square meals, Tom. No, I'm, uh, I'm just I'm being so rude. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, That's interesting. Not, lockdown has not been kind to any of us. It's... <laughs> <laughs> so no, why do I like nine? Yeah, no, what, what, uh, why did I think of nine? If somebody well, asked you to describe nine as a person, so like the characteristics that somebody would have um, as a person, what would you say um, nine would have? Irritating. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, uh, female. Not that I'm saying that <laughs> females are irritating. Yeah, no, no correlation there. Um, but yeah, I feel I have quite strong feelings about the personality of the number nine. I think it's because it's just one away from 10 and 10 is like a nice kind of like, oh, you've got to 10. So it's oh, like, mm, 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 nine, ten. Okay, nine so, is anxiety. Wow. Yes. So, so 10 is practical, logical, tidy, reassuring, honest, dirty, innocent, sober. Whereas nine is quiet, unobtrusive, deadly, genderless professional soft and forgiving no 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 soft and no i would no i wouldn't agree with that okay um, i wouldn't say nine was soft or forgiving at all i i, I, I now you've said it you've, you've identified that I, I i believe i completely agree yeah there is a lot of anxiety there will i get to ten will i yeah, there we go but i think people i mean people naturally do associate things with numbers and it's unclear to me is why they do so 
But we all have. Let's take that comparison. No one does this with letters, which arguably mean more. Thoughts? Mm. Why don't we do? Why don't we do this with letters? Wow. It's a good question. I guess a letter is is sort of meaningless out of its context. Whereas numbers will always have some kind of context because there'll always be that many somewhere of that number. So you can kind of like attach a meaning to it. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, I I just, I I know. Letters, you know, the first name of your husband or wife or your child or mother, you know, you can attach, you know, the birthplace or I don't know, I don't know. It's... I think I think they probably do. I just don't have the data. Maybe we should do a survey. We should ask people what they associate with them, with different um, letters. Um, I mean, I think mathematicians associate things with letters. That's like, true. Well, if I if I said, you know, we've got a triangle and it's got an angle x, would you twitch a bit? What, no. The question is, what would you call that? What what variable? No, you'd call it theta, normally. Yeah. So, and also we have this convention we use, um, like Greek for things we uh we don't know and we wish to find out and we uh uh, you know latin for uh things that we can know uh, and we use hebrew for when we're really fucked (laughs) but like i i think i i think i think letters and numbers we you know we have you know uh, even the shape of things you know for me like a is a kind of angular number whereas sort of o is a lovely sort of nice smooth regular number because of the way it looks this is starting to sound like my son's uh, reception class phonics classes. <laughs> Kikinka. Kikinka. Yeah, well, oh, kick- yeah. Or a curly It's aggressive and, and Germanic, whereas like curly C is sort of smooth and feminine, don't you think? Yeah, I just don't. Yeah, I don't. I just don't attach a kind of personality to it as much, I suppose. It's more just about the look of it and the shape of it. Right. rather than how it would make you f- sort of feel because like yes yeah, you say you know you can you can definitely even if you don't say you're superstitious I think like coming across a soup like a, a 13 or something you go oh you know <laughs> um uh even if you don't kind of believe it it's still worthy of comment whereas you wouldn't do that about a letter because there know, are no letters that if are somebody gave you if somebody gave you seat 13 on an airplane you'd Right. So lots of aeroplanes don't have rolls 13 and not, you know, most people don't care, but it's a lot easier just not to have it. A lot of hotels also don't don't have a 13th floor. But no, they do, though. I mean, they must. (laughs) I'm sure that's a thing. It's true. They don't don't label it. It's not on the same, the the, uh, lift numbers. It'll be 12A and 12B. Are you you lying to, if you put them on the 14th floor, it's really the 13th floor. Are you lying to people? Does it still have the same effect? But But my question here is, what happens with uh, superstitious Romans? <laughs> <laughs> Think about it. Think about it, my friends. Yes. <laughs> uh, Romans have any, any other questions? Isn't this the seeing of numbers everywhere? Because you're look you. You you are become aware and you are looking for it. Just an example of confirmation bias. 
But I think yep. you make a very good point there, Hannah. Exactly. Um, right. And, 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 you know, the point is they could have picked any number and you can sort of, you know, add up the sequences of your phone number and then add them up again to try and get to, um, you know, 23. And I, I can't remember what they... So, yeah, there was. Uh, they mentioned the number 141418 was the, the name of the house they lived in in the movie. And if you add one and four and 18, you get to 23. Yes, okay. yes. So if you add one and four and one and eight you get to 14, okay? Oh, if you add 14 and then one and, oh, you still get to 23 that way. Oh God, maybe. <laughs> oh, maybe. Uh, I mean, I, I, one thing I did say is that while, while we were watching this, Lorraine did get very angry at one point because not only were they using 23, but they were getting away with it by using 32 as well. Yeah, that really annoyed me as well. It's like, it's reverse 23, it's reverse 23. Well, yeah, that but that's not 23, yeah. it's 32. And this is confirmation bias, okay? This is why statisticians make hypotheses before they see the data. You have to set out what you're trying to do. So if they had said, okay, before the movie, 23 is significant, and then for every number, they just gone and ticked it up, Okay, and ticked it, ticked it if it was 23, crossed it if it wasn't, and then scaled it by something to use Benford's law, then that would be absolutely fine. I had no problem with that movie. It would be slightly longer than the one we saw. Okay. Um, but, um, you know, it's just like how many chromosomes do we have in the, um, in the human body? 46. 46, oh. it's not 23, it's only 23 if you take the pairs. That's how yeah. you count it. This is the most, okay, not only was the acting terrible, okay, not only, okay, it was filmed by a drunk man with no control over the lighting, okay, it was acted <laughs> by someone who had been to a Sunday school lesson and had the subtlety necessary to put on a panto, but none of the control in order to do the lighting. Ben, we haven't got to the review section yet. Save this anger. <laughs> Okay, I, I, wonder what we're, I wonder what we're going to mark this fucking thing out of. Let, let's go to the puzzle zone. Let's go to that, and then we'll get to the market zone. Right, to the puzzle zone! To the puzzle zone! The puzzle zone? Yes, the puzzle zone. So, I don't know if you remember, because Ben certainly doesn't, but the puzzle we certainly had last time was, what number has more zeros when you finally calculate it out. Is it the product of the first 50 numbers, one times two times three times four, all the way up to 50? Or is it the product of the second 50 numbers, 51 times 52, all the way up to 100? Hannah, what do you think? <laughs> I, I'm instinctively going for the higher numbers um, because I feel, I feel it will yield a bigger number and therefore more likely to have more zeros in it. Yep. Um, uh, that's my instinct, but um, I am willing to be proved wrong. I, 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 I have not worked this out either. Um, I would go with you. Uh, if, if I wanted to try and convince people, I would wave my doctorate in their face and run away. But I, I think you're right, because I, I think the, the, the factors of two and five that you need to make ten, probably the same throughout all of them, except for that final 100. The 100 being 10 squared has two fives and two twos in there. So I, I think you're right, Hannah, but Ben, Ben, surprise and entertainers. Well, you were both wrong, I'm afraid. Oh. Um, and the, answer, the answer is they both have the same. Um, well, that's, and, that's surprising. Um, and the reason is, is, and you're absolutely right in your intuition, the way we get a zero at the end is that somewhere in our multiplication, we have to have a factor of 10. Okay, so if I multiply one, two, three, four, blah, 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 and to get to up to 50, 
then I can take the two and the five and that's a 10 and I can multiply it. Or I could, for example, take 20, okay? And 20's got a two in and it's got a five in. And in fact, another two, because 20 is two times two times five. But mm -hmm. all that matters for the number of tens is the number of twos and the number of fives. Yes. So the trick with this one, which um, I'm lucky I remembered first time and we didn't have to come back <laughs> at all, is that um, uh, you can forget the number of twos and just think about the number of fives. It's so there's going to be a limiting factor here, isn't cause it? So yeah, because there's lots and lots of twos, but five is a limiting factor. Okay, so let's think about how many, if we multiply one, two, one to 50, okay, we've got five, we've got 10, which also mm. has a five in it. 15, 20, 25. So we've got two from 25. Ah, yes. Yeah. So that's five. So we got to six. Okay. And then we've got one from 30, one five and 30, one five and 35, one five and 40, one five and 45. And then we've got another two in 50. Which yes. Takes, yeah. Yeah. Takes yeah. To 12. 12 fives, and we could easily five 12, 12 twos to pair that up. So we're going to ah, have- Ah, so, so in my thinking where the 100 would actually work, it's just two times 50, that extra two doesn't matter. Exactly. You don't get any of the fives. Ah. So the 51 to 100 has the same because um, we, we have uh, one five from 55, 65. 60, and then we have two from 75 and from 100. Um, so we've got 12 fives in each of them. Um, which is the limiting factor, say, all end with 12 zeros. Oh, so, so isn't that a lovely question? Lovely, lovely question, Ben. And, and great that you got that first time. I'm it's so lucky you got that first time. We didn't yeah, have to amazing. come back and edit this at the end. Um, right, shall we go to the film, uh, to the, um, where do we go? How about the I give you my puzzle? I, how about I edit in my puzzle later? <laughs> yes, that would be wonderful. <laughs> I have a puzzle for next time. And this, this is, so I will quote my source. This is from... Uh, Puzzles of Sam Lloyd, with a uh, selected and edited by Martin Gardner, two great uh, masters of the puzzling world. And it's actually the first puzzle in the book. So, you know, it's, it's it's got a good diagram of a monkey, and that that grabs me every time. And the puzzle is: imagine we have a rope; it goes over a frictionless pulley. Yeah. On the one end of the rope is a ten-pound weight, ten kilogram. Don't care, just a weight of ten ten pounds. On the other end, there's a monkey holding onto the rope. It's off the ground, so it's not pulling it. It's just, and everything weighs the same. Okay, so the monkey is 10 pounds. What happens to the weight when the monkey climbs? Does the weight drop? Does it stay the same or does it go up? I think this, it stays the same. I think this is the, sa this is the same answer that I had to somebody who was putting some, hanging some pictures up on my wall, which is that even if it's really heavy, because it's it's downward force directly next to the wall, it's not going to like lever off the wall because it's like a dead weight. Um, whereas a, a something on a shelf, which is away from the wall and starts to create a sort of fulcrum, is going to start to make something tip. In that, in that saying, that's slightly different because what you're doing is the further away you are from your fulcrum, the bigger the moment force because that is force times uh, distance. So that's how sea, sea, uh, seesaws work. Yes. If you have your bigger, heavier child, you want to put them closer to the fulcrum with your light child further away. Yes, so my, my feeling is that because the angle of, if he's climbing vertically, he's mm -hmm. not kind of, he's not like altering 
how okay. much I, I, weight I like that or force idea. I like is, that is idea. on the pulley. That's, that's a nice idea. Uh, thoughts, questions, queries, Ben? Any ideas? Yeah, where, where can you get a ten-pound monkey? Because I always found them more expensive than that. <laughs> In this economy, crazy. Yeah. Uh, and with that, we will wait until next time uh, to find out the answer. But that's a, uh, I, I just, I've not actually looked at the answer. So I will take Hannah's as the, the best answer we have so far. I have no idea, have to be answer, honest. Please, oh, indeed, yeah. Uh, if you do have an answer, please do tweet us at uh, podcastmaths at, uh, send us an email at uh, podcastmaths at gmail.com. Uh, our website is podcastmathsat.com. And no, no, it's not. Is it? Isn't it? What is it? Mathsat.co.uk. Mathsat.co.uk. We couldn't buy the .com because it was more expensive. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so there are many ways to get in contact. And tweet at Ben, tweet at me. I don't know why you'd want to tweet at Hannah. She'll mute you. Um, and with that, let's go to the final score zone. <sighs> so it comes to the end, Ben, Hannah, could you furnish me with a random scoring system and a random point upon that scoring system? Who would like to take us away? Surely I've got to score it out of 23. And you have to. I was wondering who would go first to steal that away. So go for it, Hannah. Well, I judge films um, nowadays on how many times I looked at my phone during the film. Ah, interesting metric. Um, and I looked at my phone about four times, which is, is, is low, I would say. I felt like most of the plot was most of the film was plot. So I yeah. felt like if I missed something, I would lose the plot um, in many ways. Um, <laughs> and um, so for that reason, it kept me watching. Um, I give it points for that, um, but it loses points for being um, uh, all over the place visually. Um, so I'm going to give it uh, 13. There you go. 13 out of 23, that's not too bad. That's, yeah, okay. Ben, random scoring system and a random point upon that scoring system. I'm going to score it out of Jim Carrey wearing only a mask and covered in hummus and tara masalata wrapped in all the digits of pie. Um, all of them. And I'm going to give it 23. <laughs> Just for the vision alone. Um, and that's how it falls to me. Um, my scoring system will be out of uh, Paddington to Citizen Kane. Um, and I'm Quite a narrow range. <laughs> I'm going to have to give it a Citizen Kane. No, no, Kane. hang on, hang on, Tom. You can't go from Paddington to Citizen Kane because Citizen Kane is out of King's Cross. <laughs> Very nice. But I, I would have to give it a Citizen Kane because it's certainly not the best movie of all time, which, has, as we've all discussed, is Paddington. We have been maths at losing at life, winning at maths. Good night. Good night. Bye. Bye. This podcast is a random walks production performed by Thomas Woolley, Ben Parker, and Hannah Veal. Intro and outro music was Clonky Donkey by Nicholas Hydlas, and the incidental stings were Cartoon Bank Heist from YouTube Audio Library. <laughs>